You know, I guess I think I've always been a professional critic, you know, or some sort of professional appreciator or something. This is serious business here, man. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. South by Southwest 2013. We came, we saw, we conquered. I'm Jim Diergatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. And I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. We report back from Austin, Texas to tell you which bands lived up to the hype and which are headed back to obscurity. Plus, Justin Timberlake's new 2020 experience. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and time now for some music news. That's Save the Best for Last by Vanessa Williams, one of about two dozen songs that a woman named Jamie Thomas Rassett made available on her hard drive in the early 2000s. Remember when the Recording Industry Association of America came after thousands of file sharers, people that they deemed were sharing copyrighted files on the Internet? Jamie Thomas Rassett was one of those people. She was the first to fight back. She took this to court and basically said, you know, I am not in violation of the Copyright Act. I didn't even know those files were up on my hard drive, let alone being taken by other people. Nonetheless, in four separate trials, one a mistrial, three separate verdicts, each against Thomas Rassett, one for $220,000 in damages, one for $1.9 million in damages, and another for $1.5 million, she was found guilty of infringement finally took it all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court says, you know, we're not even going to, we're not going to hear this case and let that $220,000 verdict stand. Her response, as I've said from the beginning, I do not have now, nor do I anticipate in the future having $220,000 to pay this. If they do decide to try and collect, I will file for bankruptcy as I have no other option. that great highway No one has to be that strong But if you're stubborn like me I know what you're trying to be Greg, that very moving tune is called Hold On Magnolia by the band Songs Ohio, which was led by Jason Molina. He is dead at the age of 39 after leading two of the strongest roots rock Americana bands of the last decade and a half. First of all, Songs Ohio and then Magnolia Electric Company. Molina was fighting alcoholism through much of the last part of his life. He died at 39 of organ failure. His label secretly 
Canadian, paid moving tribute to him. Jason is the cornerstone of Secretly Canadian, they said in a statement. In 1996, his single was the first thing that they put out. They have since become one of the most respected labels in the indie rock underground. Over the last 15 years, a lot of strong records from Molina with both of those bands. We just wanted to mark his passing. It's a great loss. That is a little bit of Dave Grohl and his Sound City players backing Stevie Nicks on the song You Can't Fix This. Greg, uh, Mr. Grohl was one of the biggest names at South by Southwest now in its 27th year. Prince was playing, Smashing Pumpkins, Justin Timberlake, Fallout Boy. A lot of stars try to really launch their new products at South by Southwest. You and I both have been going for more than two decades for two reasons, actually. Number one is to hear bands that will make news in six months, in nine months, next year. Also, it is a really good place to take the temperature of the music industry. This year, 2,500 bands and 100 stages. Those are the official numbers. More than 18,000 registrants for the music conference. More than 30,000 for the interactive conference. But music, film, and interactive all bleed into one another. Totally 60,000 people with badges. But I talked to one of the top South by Southwest executives, and they said, we estimate another three to five people for every official badge we've sold to send upon Texas for the unauthorized rock shows and just to hang out and have spring break. When you think about those numbers, you're talking about 300,000 people. Wow, it was almost at saturation point this year. Grohl, as I mentioned, was down there to promote his Sound City documentary about the Los Angeles recording studio, but he also gave the keynote address. And I wanted to incite a riot or an emotion or a revolution or to save someone's life by inspiring them to pick up an instrument just as I did as a kid. I wanted to be someone's Edgar Winter. I wanted to be someone's naked ray gun. I wanted to be someone's Bad Brains or Beatles because that was the reward. That was the intention. Dave Grohl, formerly of Nirvana and currently of the Foo Fighters, delivering the keynote address at the South by Southwest Music Conference. Jim, in the uh, tradition of Bruce Springsteen, who delivered a fine keynote last year, I think Grohl did a great job this year of relating his personal experiences to the broader big picture ideas of a young band, a young artist trying to make his or her way into the music business. His big message was, you know, find your voice and shout it from the rooftops. Don't let anybody interfere with that. There was that great line he had about some of the difficulties of getting into the industry today where he said something along the lines of, imagine Bob Dylan singing Blowing in the Wind in front of (laughs) Christina Aguilera. (laughs) On The Voice, You know, The Voice versus The Voice. And clearly there there are difficulties in, in finding that voice. He demonstrated the steps he took along the way to maintain his personal voice. The one thing I thought that was lacking, did you notice how he glossed over once Nirvana got established and he had that great anecdote about Kurt Cobain being in the office of the head of Columbia Records and the guy saying, well, what do you want? And Kurt Cobain responding, we want to be the biggest band in the world. And it shocked Grohl because he'd never heard that sort of language, that sort of ambition 
from the punk scene right. that he came out of in the 80s. And what I would have loved to have heard him say, once you start fighting it out with the big boys at that level, <laughs> there are certain yes. obstacles yes. put in your way to maintaining that voice. As you and I well know, having documented Nirvana's difficulties with recording and maintaining that integrity during that period of time, I well, would have loved to have heard a little bit more about that. If we have a problem with Grohl's output with the Foo Fighters over the last 10 years, it's been they've been entirely too friendly to the industry and too big corporate arena rock. Uh, Greg, arena rock wasn't the issue in the business panels that I caught. The predominant issue was corporate branding and corporate sponsorships. Now, I'm not talking about the old debate whether is it moral to sell out, to give your music to a commercial. It was assumed that the new music industry, the old school major labels having been replaced or extinct, is now corporate advertising. Absolutely. We're greeted by the sight outside of our hotel room of a six-story tall stage built to resemble a vending machine, which pretty much says it all about the two sides of South by Southwest. On one side, you've got the 99%, most of the 2,500 <laughs> bands, who are going essentially paying their own way, right? Right, I mean, right. Considerable cost. At, at considerable cost to go there and play a gig or seven. Some bands played as many as a dozen. And then you've got that upper crust, which is taking away from the attention, the media attention, the uh, business attention, that the younger bands hope to accrue. Instead, we've got headliners like Prince, Justin Timberlake, Smashing Pumpkins, bands of this stature and Rick ilk. Springfield playing with the Sound City players yes. and Dave Grohl. And, and some people justifiably upset by saying, well, wait a minute, when you've got Prince playing at a club, you're going to draw all these people there that otherwise might be out seeing a new band that night, aren't never going to see that band. Because to see Prince, six-hour time investment. You yeah. had to get there at yeah. 8 or 9 o'clock. Prince gets off stage at 3. That shoots your Saturday night, basically. You have seen no other music that night. Not, not for you and not for me. <laughs> we were out there trying to find the bands that no one else was going to hear. And my first discovery along those lines was Laura Stevenson, a young singer and songwriter from Long Island. She is already on her third album. The third, the newest, Wheel, is coming out in April on Don Giovanni Records. Don Giovanni is the label that brought us Screaming Females. Mm -hmm. But Ms. Stevenson couldn't be more different than Marissa Paternoster and Screaming Females. She is a traditional singer-songwriter, a lot like a sweeter-voiced Sharon Van Etten. But what I really was struck by in this live set is her band, The Cans, total two guitars, bass, drums, and accordion, really are integrated into her work. It's not as if she could just sit there with an acoustic guitar. These are great singer-songwriter songs with very smart, witty lyrics, uh, very literate, and, and wonderfully strong melodies that then can erupt into these jams. It was the best of both worlds. You know, sometimes you find yourself listening to a great singer-songwriter and you say, I just wish there was a fuzz box and a little electricity. Mm. This had everything I love. Here's the single from this new album coming out soon. The album's called Wheel. The song is called Runner. This is Laura Stevenson and the Cans on Sound Opinions.
Laura Stevenson and the Cans with Runner. Greg, what was your first discovery in Texas? Well, Jim, these bands are performing under a lot of pressure, not only the media attention that they hopefully will get, but also just being able to set up, you know, the fact that they're playing without really a sound check. There's no real deep organization. It's kind of hit and run. It breaks some bands. Foxygen, whose album I love, went back home, leaving two gigs unplayed because they just couldn't deal with it anymore. There's a lot of pressure there. There's no doubt about it. And it's impressive to me when a band can get its act together and actually play a set that makes some sense, it's coherent. The best set from start to finish that I saw all week was by this band, No Ceremony, a trio out of Manchester. They are keeping things intentionally low-key. Three band members, nobody knows who their, what their names are except their publicists and their moms and dads, apparently. <laughs> They've uh, released about a half dozen tracks online, a couple EPs in the U.K., out of Manchester, as I mentioned, The set started in this very quiet, low-key place, kind of a low-key, mood-setting series of ballads that reminded me a little bit of the XX. Female bassist, lead singer, an acoustic guitar player who sang the high harmonies, and then an electronic percussionist and programmer. But the set slowly built. It went from this very quiet, dimly lit place picking up tempo until it sort of morphed into club music by the end. And I thought, man, that was a wonderfully orchestrated set. Really gave the sense of a band that had a lot of nuances to it and a lot of different aspects to its sound. Here's a little bit of No Ceremony, a track called Feel So Low on Sound Opinions.
No Ceremony with the song Feel So Low, Greg Cott's first discovery at South by Southwest 2013. Coming up on Sound Opinions, we'll continue our rundown of the best of the South by Southwest Music Festival, and later we'll review the much-anticipated new record from pop phenom Justin Timberlake. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Day two of South by Southwest, Thursday in uh, Austin, Texas. Greg Cott here. The keynote address uh, today, big deal every Thursday at South by Southwest. Dave Grohl talking about the, the value of voice and not worrying or caring about what anyone else thinks about your voice. Two of the more individual voices I heard on Thursday, Telekinesis, band out of the Pacific Northwest. The material they debuted was the strongest I've heard from this band yet. Rebecca Cole of Wild Flag is one of the band members, and she adds immeasurably to it with her keyboard playing, her general enthusiasm, backing vocals, pogoing through all the songs. Earlier in the evening, I can't decide whether it's the venue or the artist, but the Presbyterian Church on 8th Street is a magical venue. And Indians, the Danish group, really transformed the place once again, playing the room as much as their instruments, creating this beautiful atmosphere. So that's it from day two at South by Southwest. I'm Greg Codd. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. We are talking about the South by Southwest Music Festival 2013. And Greg, that little clip there, the reason you like the church so much is that after 16 hours running around Austin, seeing bands and being on your feet all day, it's really nice to sit in one of those pews. So true. This band I saw, the one I'm talking about next, I saw in the convention center. They are called Shout Out 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 Out. Now, the way you're actually supposed to say that is as if the last three are slapback echoes. So it's shout out, 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 right? They're a band from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And if I have a problem with a lot of electronic dance music today, it's that it is ahistorical. It's as if Skrillex just invented this music last Mm. week. I'm a big fan of Krautrock from the early 70s. I'm not saying that new artists should be slavishly devoted to the past, but build on the past and pick up some of those threads and take them somewhere new to the rave dance floor now in 2013. That's what these guys are doing. It's a sextet. They have three analog Moog banks of keyboards up there, and they have bass, and they have two drummers, two live drummers. The power, Greg, of playing these electronic-style grooves, but in real time with sweaty drum kits (laughs) and these wonderful analog Moog sounds, it's as if 
Kraftwerk or Noy or Hawkwind was meeting tomorrow's electronic superstar and innovator. The best of the past, the most exciting of the present. They've given us three albums so far, and the last one came out last year is really, really strong. It's called Spanish Moss and Total Loss. I'm going to play a track by Shout Out 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 called Now That I've Given Up Hope, I Feel Much Better. Shout out, 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 out with now that I've given up hope, I feel much better. That's a real mouthful, Jim. But uh, <laughs> It is, but it's worth it. Those two drums, man. One of Jim DeRigatis's picks from the South by Southwest Music Conference. I'm going to go to my first night in Austin, or at least the first musical night that I had in Austin this year. I'd seen a lot of not-so-good bands on Tuesday night until I came across this band, Guards. They kind of made the whole night for me. Guards is a band out in New York, a five-piece band based around a brother-sister combo, Richie and Madeline Fallen. Richie had been in a band, Willows, for a number of years as the main songwriter in that band. His sister Madeline was the keyboard player in a band called Cults. Richie later joined Cults as the guitar player, kind of had a chance to rejuvenate himself in that band. He wasn't the main songwriter or singer, and in that time he built up the songs that became the initial offering from Guards. Their debut album came out just a few weeks ago. It's called In Guards We Trust, and they basically played a lot of new material from that album at the show. I think their live presentation is still evolving a little bit. They need to get to know each other a little bit better in terms of just how they're presenting the songs, but the songs are great. Very much in that power pop tradition, 
60s, 70s. I'm thinking of bands like Big Star, Raspberries, Cheap Trick as references, great hooks, great melodies with updated contemporary lyrics from Richie. He's the main singer in the band. He's the main songwriter. But the group as a whole has a terrific, powerful sound. You can hear their sound in a more subdued vein on this track that I'm going to play, which reminds me of some of that menthol cool sound of the zombies from the late 60s. It's a track called Not Supposed To from Guards on Sound Opinions. was not supposed to by guards a greg cott pick greg i second them interesting group i'm going to talk about a moment i had now that was straight out of a warner brothers cartoon i am trying to speed out of a crowded club fight my way through the crowd and i hear this band on stage which i had not been expecting to see and i literally stop dead in my tracks and do like doing what is that (laughs) there's two guys on stage they are clearly from south america they are called i later find out the holy drug couple and they are taking that big 70s west coast folk rock jingle jangle sound that is so popular right now but they are putting it through a psychedelic cuisinart Craftwork, Pink Floyd, Can, Weirdness, Lights, Jimi Hendrix. They, they, they did a cover of Hello, It's Me by Todd Rundgren, but turned it into interstellar overdrive like space jamming. It was just amazing. A lot of great psychedelic rock coming from the South right now. There was a wonderful band called Pumcayo I also heard from Mexico. But this is the holy drug couple. Slow Motion Cat on Sound Opinions. Okay. 
Slow Motion Cat from the first EP by the Holy Drug Couple. Greg, what have you got? Jim, here's a band that you would have loved had you seen them. Their debut album came out last year on Sub Pop, and I like the record well enough, but my God, seeing them in the flesh, in person, Mm. took the top of my head off. I went to see them on a Saturday afternoon, and I was standing outside the venue where they were playing. It was outdoors, and I just listened to the drummer for about two songs, and I'm going, oh my God, what is this guy doing? What is he (laughs) playing on? It sounded like he was playing on a bunch of oil drums or something. It was a huge vicious sound, but at the same time, there was almost like a jazz sensibility behind it. I said, I couldn't understand how he was keeping time for these three-minute songs and at the same time playing all this amazing stuff on his kid, a guy by the name of Hayden Menzies. So I went inside, here's this band Mets on stage, and I am just blown away by what I'm seeing. The vocalist guitarist, Alex Edkins, I swear, the last five minutes of their set, I thought his head was going to explode. I'd never seen that level of intensity on a stage since the heyday of the Jesus Lizard or Big Black. They reminded me very fondly of these great, super-aggressive Chicago bands from an earlier era and bringing that sort of intensity into today. I couldn't imagine... How does this band sustain that level of intensity each night? And if they do, they are the greatest band on earth. Mm. For those five minutes, they were the greatest <laughs> band on earth. Here's a track from their self-titled debut album. It's called Headache from Mets on Sound Opinions. That is Mets with Headache from Sound Opinions, one of my favorite bands from the South by Southwest Music Conference. And we want to know, were you down in Austin and made it back in one piece? We want you to share your experience or any of your sound opinions by calling 888-859-1800. We're going to be back after a short break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX with our final South by Southwest discoveries and Justin Timberlake's 2020 experience. Oh, my God. 
Hey, it's Jim DeRogatis. It's Friday at South by Southwest. I'm starting to drag, but my faith in music is high. I didn't think I was going to say anything else as good as Savages about 24 hours ago. I'm still high from that set. I saw Dawes. You know, they jingle, they jangle, they're pretty. I, everybody's excited about them. Me, not so much. I was schooled by some young rock critics who held a session about how uh, musical snobbery should be killed and extinguished. This is the era of the omnivorous listener, and basically we should all be loving Kesha, is what I kind of came away with. I hear your heart beat to the beat of the drums. Oh, what a shame that you came here with someone. This is Jim DeRogata signing out from South by Southwest. Day three. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm here with Greg Todd. I'm Jim Deergottis. That was me on day four at South by Southwest. I was a little cranky, Greg. Actually, that rock <laughs> critic panel was much better than I said there. Gave me a lot of food for thought. I also mentioned in that clip that I had seen God the night before. <laughs> I had seen a band called Savages. I'm going out on a limb. I have been accused sometimes of hyperbole. I'm going out on this limb with a chainsaw. I'm going to say this right now. I have not seen a more galvanizing or gripping rock and roll front person since Kurt Cobain more than two decades ago. I'm talking about the singer of Savages. She goes by Jenny Beth. She's a French woman whose real name is Camille Brothomier. She is fronting a group of three English women. I don't mean to talk so much about Jenny Beth Camille to ignore the other women. Gemma Thompson on guitar, an incredible rhythm section. I say Hassan and Faye Milton on bass and drums. We know the reference points. Wire, Gang of Four, and Slits. Post-punk, England, 78, 79. You will feel as if you have never heard any of that music or any punk rock ever in your life when you see this band live. They are sleek. They are all dressed in black. They are androgynous. They are no nonsense. They're kind of nasty. The intensity of this group is amazing. They just got signed to Matador Records. The uh, debut album, Silence Yourself, is coming out on May 6th. They had nothing out previously. They only formed a year ago, last summer. I turned a dozen or two dozen people onto this, all of whom reluctantly went to see the band, and then they're tweeting, oh my God, he's right. They are God. What a one! This is why I've been going for 20 years to find savages. Here they are with a song called Husbands on Sound Opinions. Oh, no. 
That's Savage's husbands. Jim Durigatis loves them. I did too, Jim. I, I don't know of anybody who went to see this band at South By and, and came away not impressed by them. They were just a whirlwind, a hurricane going through Austin, Texas last what week. What a great feeling. And apparently a debut album coming out on Matador Records uh, imminently, which uh, we are all looking forward to. My last selection for the South by Southwest Conference wrap-up, a Danish singer named Mew, Karen Marie Orsted. She has got a big voice, big enough for big pop music. You know, I could see her being positioned as another one of those uh, divas that we hear on pop radio. She's got a voice that has that sort of quality to it. But at the same time, there's sort of a, a earthy attitude about the presentation. I mean, she's up there in a t-shirt and a ponytail, dancing like she's dancing in front of her bedroom mirror and no one else is watching her. She's completely uninhibited up there on stage. And the songwriting is is very strong. She's bridging a lot of different genres, hard rock, electro-pop, a little bit of grime, a little bit of melody. So the, the strength of the songwriting and the quality of her vocals really make her an artist to watch as far as I'm concerned. Every song mm-hmm. was this passion play up there. She was really into it. As pop singers go, she may be too complex for pop radio, but I don't care. I think the music is, is first rate. Here's a track from you called Maiden on Sound Opinions. My desires
That is Mew with a track called Maiden on Sound Opinions, my last pick from the South by Southwest Music Conference. If you want to take a look at what Jim and I recommend from South by Southwest, take a look at our website, soundopinions.org. Boy, oh boy, that is Justin Timberlake with a song called Strawberry Bubblegum from the 2020 experience. Greg, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say in the pop world, in the music world in general, really the most anticipated album of the year. Been a long time since JT gave us a record. 2006, Future Sex Love Sounds. He's been big in the movies, right? He was great in The Social Network and a couple of other films. People thought he had turned his back on the music world and gone back to uh, acting, which is, remember, where he started. Young Justin on the new mix Mouse Club becomes a boy band hero throughout the 90s, flying across the arenas of America on a guide wire with NSYNC. He leaves NSYNC at the perfect time and begins his solo career in 2002 with Justified, which certainly made you, me, and every other critic in the world pay a little more attention. He begins a fruitful collaboration with Timbaland, who did a few tracks on that Justified record, but really was the force behind Future Sex Love Sounds. And now comes time for the third studio album. This is being launched with more preparations than a major military invasion, okay? He was all over South by Southwest. He is all over advertising with corporate tie-in deals. Let's play a track. This is the lead track from the 2020 experience. It's called Pusher Love Girl by Justin Timberlake on Sound Opinions. Hey, little mama. I gotta ask me if I want to. Just tell me, can I get a light? Roll you up and let it run through my veins. Cause I can always see the farthest stars when I'm on you. But I don't wanna ever come down on this crowd of loving you. Now you got me hopped up on that ocean. So So I don't wanna see the baby. So gonna be my 
Push Your Love Girl from Justin Timberlake. The new album is called The 2020 Experience. You know, in the first, like, minute, minute and a half of that song, Jim, it, there are about six eras of music being referenced. <laughs> it's all mashed together. you got the strings, you got the head-bobbing hip-hop, you've got the backing vocalist with the gospel thing going on. Little Marvin Gaye, little Al Green. Oh, my God, it's all over the place. And uh, seven out of the ten songs on this record are plus seven minutes long. I mean, he is creating a grand, almost operatic album here. Progressive rock meets neo soul. I don't know how do you how do you categorize this. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, where's the soul? I mean, to call this a neo soul record insults soul music in a way. Yeah, I, I feel like Timberlake is going through this album and he's trying on these really cool suits, and they all look very stylish. He's an incredibly charismatic guy. He can pull it off, and on a surface level, it's kind of cool. But at the same time, you're kind of going. Are there real songs here? Are the songs going to ever emerge from these seven, eight, nine minute uh, (laughs) suites that he's creating? You know, he's a smart guy. He's looking at the pop charts and goes, you know, I'm not going to be able to compete with Nicki Minaj or Katy Perry. Or Justin Bieber. Or Justin Bieber. I'm going to go in a Frank Ocean kind of direction. I'm going to build off something like Pyramids, Frank Ocean from Channel Orange, and do my own version of that. The thing is, I don't think it's very good. I don't think he's very good at that sort of thing. I just feel like he's a very stylish appropriator on this record. I got to say, overall, this record's kind of a snooze. It's kind of a drag. I I say trash it. Wow. Okay. You're harsher even than I was going to be. I think, Greg, rather than Frank Ocean, what JT was going for was D'Angelo. We still have not seen the follow-up masterpiece to the neo-soul classic Voodoo, which had these sort of long, drawn-out, more modest tempo songs, except JT is an entertainer first and foremost, a charming guy, one of my favorite interviews ever. But he's too cheerful, right? There's not the darkness, the swampy mystery that permeated Voodoo. And there's certainly not the lyrics. Strawberry Bubblegum, what a stupid <laughs> song. I don't even think Sync would have recorded that song. They would have said this is too laughable as a lyric. And Pusher, Love Girl, I'm really offended by. Mm. You know, this trope of our love is like an addiction and then all these marijuana references and you're my dealer. And, you know, JT, man, you got to do better than that. It's just a horrible failed experiment. It's nice, I guess, to know that he's human and he can fail like everybody else. <laughs> I was going to give it a burn it just out of sheer pop curiosity circa 2013 you have to hear this record it doesn't mean you're going to like it so a uh, trash it from you a burn it from me what do we have on the show next week next week jim we are going to celebrate baseball's opening day with rock and roll's version of grand slams Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana, Robin Lynn, and Annie Minoff. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia. Jason gave him a bottle of tequila when he got off the plane. We haven't seen Tori since. Sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Hey, guys. It's Michael from Arlington Heights, Illinois. And I just want to thank you for the recent interview featuring uh, record producer Tony Visconti. It was fascinating to hear how he witnessed the beginning of glam rock and the early development 
of the careers of both David Bowie and Mark Bolin. Uh, I hope you'll continue to seek out and feature these wonderful behind-the-scenes accounts of rock and roll history. Love the show and keep up the good work. Thanks. Yeah, hey boys, uh, John Allure in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, uh, and I'm back with a uh, comment on your review of the new David Bowie album. Uh, I'm not taking the bait, guys, I'm not taking the bait, I know exactly what you're doing, one of you trashes it, one of you says you buy it, and you're trying to polarize an entire nation and get us to in an uproar. We all know it's a great album, the guy's like, what, 60 plus years old, and he, and he releases something like this, who would have expected it? I think only Elvis Costello is the other artist that we, we hold at the bar that high to. Whoever gave her a rat's ass about anything that the Rolling Stones released in the last 20 to 30 years, and yet everybody adores them, and yet when it comes to David Bowie, everybody seems, seems obliged to just, you know, call him a B-lister, which is utter nonsense. Fantastic record, and uh, long live Bowie. Okay, great show. Always love it. Bye, boys. Greg, you're spot on about David Bowie uh, calling about that segment. It's Sylvia from Chicago. Jim, 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 you got it wrong, my friend. And if mining uh, great material from other cultures is wrong, what about David Byrne? Thanks. Keep up the good work. My name is Michelle from Whiting, New Jersey. I've had to was forced to listen to the Lucinda show, Lucinda Williams, who I, I can't even believe you would compare her to Bob Dylan. She is appalling, an appalling, down, flat, dreadful, can't even make any rhyme. It's, it's just incomprehensible to me, and I think she's terrible, and that's why she's had so much unfortunate luck. Something weird this way comes The likes of which you've never known Hellfire and brimstone Something weird this way comes Hey, my name is Dan. I live in Durango, Colorado, and I wanted to um, request in your world tour to go to the land of Germany where great music happened in the 70s, like Can, Amandul 2, Faust, Noi, and then, of course, leading into uh, Kraftwerk, Tangerine Dream, etc. And then, please uh, touch on the great musical career of David Hasselhoff, because it's worth listening to at some point, as it is amazing. Thank you. I can't stop this feeling. Deep inside of me Girl, you just don't realize What you do to me 
no more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. Hooked up.